life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. So as you've noticed, uh, Chance is sitting in for Paul this evening. Thanks for being here, sir. Well, thank you. And I don't know if they've noticed until now, but, you know. <laughs> well, they've noticed because it was on all the social media things. If you're one of those right. people that leaves us questions and thank you, then uh, many of you have left questions for Chance. Uh, we wanted to hear from him partially because, well, Paul's out of town, and so it worked out for Chance to be here, but also because he was at Pirelli World Challenge last weekend here locally, and yeah. we were not, and he's got all these stories. And I thought, wait, 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 don't tell me yet. <laughs> I want to hear him on the podcast. So that's one of the other reasons that he's here. So thanks for being here. Yeah, right? yeah, of course. Uh, so we're just going to – should we jump right in or do we yeah, want to – Yeah, let's just – well, here's the thing. We do have two car debates. Of course, we, we make we make Chance do the work like we do. So we have a car debate for Tim. Uh, he's writing from, quote, the Northeast. So he has a question having just bought a Miata that he is in love with. He bought an NA Miata. So now he's got some questions about his daily because the Miata is not being really used as much as a daily as he'd like. And also right. Connor in Atlanta is writing, and his title of his email was, I need a date car. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. But very little money, so yeah. this will be fun as well. And, of course, many, many great questions across the board on all fronts, so we'll get to those as well. But, yeah, start off, man. I mean, you were there as photographer. You were there as paid photographer all weekend. I was, yeah. So, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, so I was sh- – they're shooting for Reardon Racing, their local racing team uh, based in Salt Lake. They had four BMW M235iRs, which are basically okay. touring cars. They're stripped out – Big wing on the back, the, the, the works. And then they had four uh, Porsche Cayman GT4 Club Sport race cars as well, mm. in a running in a separate series, but at the same race weekend. But still, yeah. Yeah, so it was very busy shooting eight cars for no, one team, having to be bounce around and get different locations in between sessions, yeah, yeah. and it's just crazy. But I, so I was there for all four days, from Thursday to Oof. Sunday. Wow. And so Thursday, I wasn't even planning on going. I woke up that morning with the intention of going to work. Mm-hmm. And then I just, for whatever reason, felt like I needed to go to the track that day. Like, <laughs> okay. You know, like you do, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but there's something's going on at the track. I just and, grab my uh, camera and go. Got it. Yeah. So I show up and I bump into a photographer friend of mine, Gil Folk. Who, okay. He's shot for McLaren. He's shot for Mercedes, a, a few big manufacturers. Yeah, no, you mentioned um, it before. Yeah, keep going. And he's there shooting for a race team based in Reno that's driving okay. a 911 GT3 Cup R, GT3 R, anyways. Okay, sure. I'll something like that. It. Yeah. And Paul's not here to correct us, so yeah, keep right. going. <laughs> and the uh, the driver that he's shooting for is uh, Memo Gidley. And some of you may know who that is. Most of you might not. But he was the 2014 24 Hours of Daytona, or the Rolex 24, pole setter. Hmm. And about two or three hours into this race, he had a massive accident. Oof. He was following, he was in one of the fast cars, and uh, he was in a, in a section of the track where they're driving into the sun at sunset. Oof. And he pulls out to pass another car, and there's a slow-moving Ferrari right there. And he oh. just, bam, nails him at, I don't know, there was probably at least a 100-mile-an-hour speed difference between oh the two cars. Oh, my gosh. The accident, I mean, you can find it on YouTube. It's very cringeworthy if you, you dare go watch, watch it. Yikes. But, I mean, the, the race broadcast wouldn't even show replays until they got word of what their the driver's conditions were mm. because of how nasty the car crash was. That's awful. So, anyways, to jump ahead three years later to now, and he's testing this new Porsche. 
and this is his first time back in a race car oh since my gosh. racing and recovering. Wow. But you talk to him, and he's you wouldn't guess that he was in such a massive accident watching mm. him move around and you, just like a normal guy. Incredible. He didn't have any like limps or weird movements or anything That's like amazing. that. That's amazing. Which was just amazing, yeah. And uh, so they were they were only here testing. They weren't actually racing. But okay. I got, got to meet this awesome driver and sure, that's cool. that day. And then uh, jumping ahead to Saturday, which was my crazy day, where I was shooting all, the, all, <laughs> all eight, eight cars. cars. Sure, yeah. And so I get get to the track, and this other photographer comes up to me. He's like, hey, I want to talk to you a little bit later today. It's like, okay, okay. <laughs> why? <laughs> that could be good or bad. Which way are we going? Yeah. Yeah. So it turns out he had a scheduling conflict for between a couple of his clients was okay. where he had to be during the track. So I ended up having – he asked me to cover the – gt class Ooh. qualifying session Ooh, cool and he shoots for real-time racing which drives two acura nsx gt3 race cars oh wow so i shot those for during the qualifying session for him that's cool and that that just made the day that much more exciting you'll have to post some of those acura photos because you've shown me a couple and that car looks really mean in race trim. yeah i think it looks better in race trim than it does in street trim to be yeah honest. I, I which is crazy because a lot of times with all the sponsors and liveries i'm kind of like i just want of course here i am we all know me i just want a bright solid color car and of course yeah. that's not the reality of liveries but yet something about that acura is just it's angry oh it, it is it really looks the, great the canards and the wings yeah and yeah the, yeah it doesn't sound all that interesting to me. The V6 turbo just, it just. It, <laughs> but that's an uphill battle, though. Making yeah. anything like that sound great. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the the GT, the Ford GT, sounds pretty good. And some people are like, "Oh, it sounds better than the V8." I'm like, ah, "V8s and V12s are still far, winning." But. but it does, you know, for a turbo V6, it sounds great. Yeah. But that's a hard engine to make sound good. It is. It is. And so I was shooting that. If, if you're familiar with Utah Motorsports Campus at all. Um, I know you are, Todd, but yeah. I'm shooting at the inside of the attitudes. So in the, okay, in, sure. in the infield of the track, looking up, mm-hmm. and you can see the uh, the cars hitting the curbs sure, yeah, and getting yeah. up on two wheels. Yeah, yeah. This, is like a, this is like an S-curve section. It's like, th- yeah, think of it, it that way, but, it comes, but you come over the crest of a hill, and then you go right, left, right, left, and then you're into a kind of a left straight. Yeah, it's similar. I, I don't want to say it's similar, but it's kind of like the corkscrew. In a much it's, smaller, it, it, not as steep kind of way. It has a similar idea. Right. Yeah, it has a similar idea because it is this kind of double S-curve thing. And you have to enter – If you, it's weird because if you enter on the line correctly, you enter slow, you'll leave fast. If you enter too yeah. fast, you have to bleed speed halfway through. Right. And the guys that push really hard – and Chance is talking about being at the bottom of it looking up. It's not as, it's not as extreme it's as not the corkscrew. It's not that steep, no. But there is a really nice rake to it. If you look at any of our track videos that we've done out there, both the Fiesta ST and the, uh, and the Mustang, GT experience have got some great shots that actually Chance took out there because he knows that track really well. You're looking up the hill, and the guys that come hammering down through there can get, I mean, it's called the attitudes. They'll get some crazy attitude out of the car yeah. blasting down there when they nail those curbs. Yeah. And, and, and the uh, the Porsche Spec Series, they had Pirelli GT3 Trophy was the, the warm-up series, if you will. <laughs> I love something that sounds that <laughs> they, angry is the warm-up the, series. Yeah, it's yeah. all, all GT3 911s and Cayman GT4 Club Sports, and they were shortcutting it. They were jumping over the, mm. the, the right-hander. And, Seriously? Yeah, and they were like all four off off the ground. Oh, my jumping. gosh. It was nuts. 
Now, in, in I've World seen Challenge, that curve. That that's like that's like aiming for something and hoping for the best. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, so they're jumping it. In World Challenge, you're not allowed to do that. That's track hmm. restriction okay, penalties. Okay, sure, sure, sure. People yeah, were yeah. doing that and getting penalized for it. Huh, but the okay. Porsche guys, they just no, forget it. I'm going for it. <laughs> <laughs> this car can handle it. I'm just if I can launch myself. That's crazy. Did you get shots of any of them all four? I off? do. I, I actually I sent some to our friend Gavin uh, yesterday. I have two almost identical pictures okay. of the of two different McLaren race cars. All right. And I'll have to show you this after we're done here, but You should post them too, yeah. They you'd almost think I photoshopped two different cars in because they're in the exact same spot. Seriously. With the same wheel off the ground. That's okay. how that's how uh good these guys are yeah, with, how, exactly with how accurate they are with, they are yeah, with their that's lines. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, I'd love to see those photos and we should post some of them uh, after this podcast goes live. We should certainly do that. That's cool. So so yeah, that was you know, Saturday. It was a whole different experience. This is my first time shooting for a race team. Mm-hmm. Usually, I go and I just shoot as much as I can, whatever I can. Yeah, you've been you, well. You've been known the last few years to be out there and to get some great stuff. And you've had people that have snatched your photos. I'm giving you a resume here. People that have snatched your photos afterward and actually pursued your photos because they found them and loved that you got their yeah. car. So as a result, this year somebody pursued you and said, "We want you to cover the whole race team." Which now you're sh- shooting eight cars. I guess the good news is you're not shooting everything that turns a corner. But the bad news is you're really trying to hunt down eight cars. Well, he- here's the other thing, though. I, I- so a few weeks prior, I talked to another photographer about pricing and different questions I had sure, yeah, yeah. to make sure I was in the right ballpark and, and whatnot. And she was out of town this weekend or that weekend. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I ended up filling in for her for the Seriously? website that she writes for oh, called funny. NA Sports Car. Okay. And I, I haven't s- sent anything into them quite yet, but I, I will be here pretty soon. Wow. And so I was trying to get some of everything, but I wasn't as, you know, get every car that goes by. Get sure. it now. Get sure, it now. Sure, sure, yeah. So... I shot fewer photos this year than I did last year. This was a question I actually wanted. This is the thing I love about digital photography. So, so how many How I, many photos? I ended up shooting about 8,000 photos Perfect. This, this past weekend. Perfect. Of course you did. Last year, I was about 10,500, which is... So I will ask the photographer geek question. Do you have any ways, like, what's your first culling pass? How do you go from 8,000 to, okay, now I'm really looking at these. How do you do your first pass of just throwing stuff out? Well, this year, since I was shooting for a team, I went through them all first and and found everything that I needed for to for the clients. Sure. And then I just went from start to finish of all those. Mm-hmm. And then once I'm done, I'll export them out of... I use a software program called Lightroom. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'll export them out of that, and then I'll go through them and just weed out the duplicates. Okay. And then I'll pick the ones that I like best and, and send them off. Okay. And that's the same with. I just didn't know if you had else. like a fast way you could go through eight thousand photos quickly and just go no 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 well, yes. I didn't know if there was a way you could do that. The thing quickly. about racing photography is most of it is is it's almost prey and spray. <laughs> sure, so sure. You're, yeah. you're, there's there's some talent involved, but you're you're hoping for the best a lot of the time when yeah. you're driving dropping these low shutter speeds and you're shooting and, multi multi shots at once i mean you're yeah. firing through as fast as it'll go yeah, yeah. so every, every time a car goes by you're getting well i'm getting like seven or eight photos sure. just of one pass which is but, and just to to mention this because chances isn't saying it everybody's shooting it that way and we really chances got to post some of this stuff because he's saying there's some talent involved that is an understatement <laughs> in a big way okay i can do halfway decent car photography if they're sitting still chance has has just honed this gift of that went by at a, at a speed that is a blur to the rest of us and he can capture it he got some amazing stuff on the 4gt thing that i'm still boggled by because it's 
I would actually say it's beyond magazine quality. It's like poster quality, which is really cool. Oh, so I know you're I know you're taking a bunch of frames, but I know everybody's taking a bunch of yeah. frames. Yeah. Yeah. So I was talking to one of the other photographers, um, <clears throat> Bob Chapman, and he he told me on Saturday, halfway through the day, so there was still a day and a half left, <laughs> that he was already at ten and a half thousand. Sure, of course and he was. He's, he's shooting for Ferrari and Porsche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's one of the the top wow. photographers in the wow. series. Mm. But it's just the the amount of photos you come away with is just insane and having to go through it afterwards. Is, <laughs> well, that's where the work comes in. Yeah. That's where the work comes in. Yeah. I mean, not only you're standing out there for hours shooting, but it's not like you, you stood out there for hours shooting, came away with six photos and went, okay, we're done. You have to, yeah. you have to call your way through that massive thing. There's days of work. Yeah. And back, back to your original question, how do you go weed through them? Yeah. yeah. Usually if I'm, I'm going through them and the ones I can use are usually pretty obvious. Okay. Cause you'll, you're panning. Sure. Of course. And so you, Either you're going to get the car in focus right, mm-hmm. or you're going to be you're trying to match the car's speed at the same sure, time. Sure. And sometimes that, well, most of the time, <laughs> that doesn't always line up. So framing, focus, you, all of those things, especially with your low shutter speed. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're when you're shooting at like one fortieth of a second or slower, mm-hmm. your hit rate drops big time. Sure. So sure. I'll go through instead of one every four or five photos I might use, mm. I'm dropping down to one every twenty or thirty. Sure. Sure. So you, you just skip through those and well, and it's a crazy low and, shutter speed. I mean, yeah. with a massive percentage of chance for blur or misfire when you're chasing a car that's moving that quick. I mean, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah. And the thing I was always told is your the idea is to try to make a slow car look fast. Yeah. So yeah. the slower the shutter speed, the faster the car looks. Sure, that's true. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I think we've talked about it before. I, I know you and I have. I don't know if we have on the on the podcast. But, you know, when you see most time when you see photos of cars in magazines, especially if you see photos of cars in magazines that are uh, concept cars – and it looks like it's speeding toward the frame or whatever. Somebody probably put it in neutral and pushed it, yeah. and the shutter speed is slow enough that at yeah. you know walking speed, the world is blurred and the car is in focus. I mean, that is an old time trick, but used like crazy. Yeah. So for that kind of thing, they actually put this big arm on top of the car with suction cups, hmm. and they hold the camera, the arm holding the camera, and then they push the car or drive it really slowly, and they use like a twenty or thirty second. Uh, shutter speed yeah. and try not to make the the, the boom. Oh sure, too much. yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's the struggle with that. I've never tried it, but I wow. I have friends that have. And wow, I, I, I want to try it sometime. Yeah, we don't do a lot of shooting at walking speed, and that's no. the, that's the whole problem with the video reality. Is you know we've joked about it before, but honestly, until a car gets eighty miles an hour or or faster, it genuinely doesn't look fast on camera. No. And so here we are shooting real time, and I refuse to speed things up. And so a lot of times we'll hammer our way around a corner that is labeled 20, and we went way over 20 around some quarter <laughs> yeah. and hooned the car. And you look at it on a video and you just go, eh. Yeah, these guys unless, aren't unless trying. there's tire squeal in, the, in it, sometimes you can't tell. Well, but even if you know, but even if there's tire squeal, because you can always do the Dukes of Hazard thing, and you can put in tire squeal no matter what. You True. know, Dukes of Hazard was notorious for tire squeal on dirt all the time, <laughs> yeah. inexplicably. Yeah. But I, I was fooled as a kid. But you know, that's the thing is, is short of tire squeal, there's just it doesn't look quick. Yeah. And that is so deceiving. And it's funny because sometimes we'll get comments about how you guys don't drive hard. It's like you haven't been with us on a shoot. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we a lot of the times we'll have the peop, the owners of the car with us, or a fan comes up to us when we're shooting, and they just, oh wow, you guys are driving hard. Well, so many times the owners realize that we're driving their car harder than they do. Yeah, and we don't. That's that's the crazy thing. We don't set out to do that. 
There's never, well, I'm going to show you. There's never that. No. But yet at the same time, the number of times I've had owners sit right seat with me and just watch them just kind of ball up with the process the eyeballs of like, get all I'm, huge. I'm sorry. Am I, <laughs> am I bothering you? <laughs> Happens more than once. Well, that's cool, yeah. man. It's good to hear about it because we, we didn't have the chance to go, and I'm glad you did. That's a ton of coverage. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that this leads to, to more for both the follow, rest of the season yeah. and next year. I think it will. I mean, your, your stuff is so really high end that, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, honestly, you do, here's the thing. You do great stuff for us on video. Here, I'm calling you out publicly. You do great stuff for us on video, and yet your stills are on a whole other level. Oh, well, and I'm just boggled by them. So I hope that many other people find you as a result. Well, we should do some car debates. Uh, I want to jump into this first one here. This is Tim writing to us from, as he describes, the Northeast. And uh, he's having a trouble with his daily driver because as a result of us, we have inflicted him with the disease, and he watched our review of the multiple generations of the Miata many, 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 many times, many times yes, and finally bought himself a 1993 NA. So that's the first-gen Miata. Yeah. And I, we don't really know a lot about Tim's car history here, but the Miata has been a major turning point. This yeah. car is a car he – I mean, honestly, loves is not quite a strong enough word. It's it's I I shudder to say this, but it's almost like this Miata has been life changing. Yeah, he he later later on the email he actually says he will never period ever period sell the car. That's what he does say. Ever yes yes, yeah. yes. So this is where the problem comes in because he has this Miata and he loves it, and you're thinking, what's the problem? I mean, it's one of those cars. Every time he walks away from it, he just looks back and goes, I love that car. That was so much fun, which is great, and I'm yeah. thrilled, Tim, that that's your situation. But the car this replaced sort of is his 06 Honda Accord. Yeah, but he loves this Miata so much. He keeps finding reasons that he. I I really shouldn't drive the Miata today. I should just take the Accord. Yeah, think things like oh, if it's raining or I don't want to leave the car in this maybe sketchy location type mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yeah, I'm driving this Honda way more than I I want to, yeah. way more than I planned to, yeah, way more than I should. And he's just said it's a great car, but it's just boring. It's not the Miata, mm-hmm. and he wants something to replace that. So he's looking at. Uh, Fiesta STs, which yes. are uh, great little cars, mm-hmm. and that was actually what he was originally looking at buying when he bought the Miata. Yes, and said that he went Miata because it was easier to talk his wife into it because hey, we can go away for the weekend with the top down, or we can is, go out for dinner. I mean, yeah. because look, honestly, honestly, my wife who who kind of has the car disease by default. Okay, she kind of tolerates that I have it. But she's not hardcore. I mean, I, there, there, is a, there is a point when talking to my wife when she just – her eyes roll back. and She's just like, you know what? I'm car done. I'm just – I'm filled <laughs> up. Thank you. Okay? And yet she cannot wrap her brain around why I think the Fiesta ST is cool. She keeps looking at it and just thinks that's a stupid little hatchback. And right. she's fairly savvy. And yeah, she just yeah, she can't is. get past that. So I, I totally understand, Tim, the situation of saying to your wife, uh, Fiesta ST. And she went, I'm sorry, what now? But Miata <laughs> – convertible top down let's go out for the night that that I, I totally get why that sells so this is the dilemma here is that tim is going okay i'd like to replace this boring car that i'm realizing i'm driving really it has still stayed the daily car yeah so keep the miata nice and the miata was cheap he bought it for around 10 grand so yeah, he's he think, says well under 10 yeah, grand actually, he's thinking yeah. about yeah it's crazy he's thinking about selling this accord and either buying one of these Disposable Fiesta STs we talk about, buying one outright or leasing one for yep. two, three years so he can walk away. This is where he's asking us, and I have thoughts here I don't think I've done on the podcast. Oh, really? Yes, but because I, I, I don't know that the answer here is to change a car. 
Huh. But I, but I, I want to walk my way there because, yeah, of course, yeah, I'm a Fiesta I'm, I'm ST fan, now. but I'm very curious where, where you went on it. Well, I like the Fiesta, the Fiesta ST idea, and I, obviously you do too. I think a lot of this email was asking you us, asking us to kind of justify his decision mm-hmm. on, on mm-hmm. wanting to replace it with one. So I just wanted to throw out a couple of other ideas that were kind of in the same realm of possibilities Please. that weren't, wouldn't uh, overdo his budget, which he didn't say what exactly it was, but I'm guessing between 15 and 20 based on leasing I, an ST, uh, Fiesta yeah. ST. Yeah, probably fair. Probably fair. I mean, so, I think for buy, we're probably looking at 15. For lease, we're probably talking right around 2022 because that's yeah. a, essentially what those Fiesta STs are going to lease for. Yeah. So he, one of his concerns with getting a Fiesta ST is he's noticing that a lot of newer ones mm-hmm. are 6 to 12 months old and they're already for sale. Yeah. And he's worried that because they're such a, a bare-bones car, is he going to just be a flash in the pan? Is he going to time gonna, out yeah, on it? Yeah. Is yeah. it going yeah. to wear out really fast? So I came up with a couple of options that I think might not wear out as fast. Okay. Maybe put a smile on his face on his on his daily commute. Good, good. And uh, so my my first shot, I, I tried to stay in the same realm of hatchbacks. Perfect. And Perfect. preferably, I was looking mostly at four door hatchbacks, but I I was looking at the uh, the Fiat five hundred Abarth. Good. Excellent. Get that. Excellent. And I I want to stop you there. I mean, I'm I'm going to talk about some of these because it's obvious that they're in there. I want to say about the Abarth versus the ST. The ST is better dynamically, okay. But I do think the Abart might be more of a laugh. Yeah, just S- sound alone. It's, its personality is more ridiculous, and I mean that as a compliment. Yep. The Fiesta ST is is blindingly fun to drive, and is dynamically surprising every time you chuck it around. But the Abart is just a laugh. Yeah. And so there's a part of me that wonders if the Abart has, in this scenario specifically, this isn't a track car. Right, right. And it's not necessarily a canyon car. You're talking about a car you're going to drive daily. In that regard, for like commute normal air and stuff, I wonder if the Abart, and I'm genuinely wondering out loud, has a longer shelf life than the ST. It might. It might. The only thing I worry about with the Abart is I've heard a lot of people say they're not very reliable. They have they have their issues. I hate to but, say it, but Fiat Chrysler would not but, surprise me in that regard. Yeah, I so hate to say that's that. just something to you know, tread lightly and, and do your research mm-hmm, if, you, sure, if you end sure. up going that way. But my other my other options, I looked at the Veloster Turbo. There maybe yeah may, maybe yeah. a good commute car. It's, sure, it's not, sure, not, sure. Not a Fiesta ST, but it, it'd be they're a little better equipped and yeah. and things like well, that. Well, and I think it, they've got a more fun personality than that Accord. And Accord, Accords are great, but yeah. Accords are not fun like we're talking about. Yeah. But I, I think my my two top picks for you though are the uh, like the 2013 ish Volkswagen GTI. Mm-hmm. They're for great sure. commute cars. They've for got sure. enough power, enough space for your day-to-day use. And they're, they're going to feel luxurious. Thank you, thank you for bringing this up because it's going to feel all the luxury stuff that you would like on a commute, but yet it, they just naturally feel a lot more chuckable than an Accord just because yeah. of scale. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and they can punch through traffic like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, absolutely. And my, my other choice, this one might actually surprise you a little bit. I think it's kind of a middle ground between – the the GTI and the Accord, and that's okay. the uh, the Mazda Speed Three. Yes, that so is the laugh of a car. It's got for sure. power. It'll mm-hmm. have torque steer, so it, it will. It'll for put sure. a smile it on your will, face. It will for keep sure. you awake. Yes, definitely. And they've got their reasonable mm-hmm. uh, interior and yeah. luxury. 
They're not awesome, but they're no. But you're they right. Check all the right boxes. You're right. They they definitely will. Chance, you have done a fantastic job. I'm kind of glad that my recommendation is oddball because you've covered all the things that are that are that need to be discussed here. Yeah. So I'm glad you did, and you've covered many of the ones that I pondered. I well, like that. What, what's your oddball but, here? But here's here's my thought on a couple of things, Tim. And I'm going to look at this as kind of tough love for you, my friend, because I, I, I'm glad. I'm so glad you like this Miata. And I'm so glad that we had, had even a little part in helping you get one. And I'm glad that you like it. But here's my big thing. I read this email and I come across one reality. You're being precious with your Miata. Yeah, I noticed that. You bought it for less than 10 grand. I, I, and hear me out here, Tim. They're great cars, and I and I speaking as someone who has loved many cars I've liked, I, I couldn't be more excited that you love your car. But on the other end of the spectrum, they made a lot of Miatas. They did. It's not like there aren't tons of them out there. This isn't a car that's going to gain in value. You bought it very cheaply. I'm thrilled that you love it, but my my recommendation to you is just use it. In fact, use it up. Because they keep making more Miatas. Oh, yeah. There are tons more out there of all these generations. That Miata could be used up in two years. You could drive it every day, do everything possible with it, get it beat on. I know I'm saying things that are horrifying you, but you could get it beat on in a couple years. Go buy another one that would also be great. Or upkeep. It's really cheap. Parts are super True. cheap on those things. True. But I, I, I really think that the, the problem is not that you need a better daily. The problem is honestly more so you need to stop being precious with the Miata and just make it your daily. It's raining today. Okay. It's cold today. All right. There's going to be mud later. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Oh, look, there's a rock chip. Trust me. Bummer. <laughs> but okay. You know, because again, it... Miatas are fantastic, but it isn't, it isn't a car worth being precious about because they are ubiquitous. There's so many of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So I really think that's the bigger thing here because you're liking the driving experience so much that anything else you get into, you're going to be going, yeah, but it's still not the Miata. Which brings me back to, so just drive it. Just, just get in and go and, and drive and enjoy and be. Yeah, and yeah. if you and if you are worried about uh, bad weather, then buy yourself the Miata hardtop. They're out there. Keep driving it. You know, put winter tires on it. Drive it. I really think that that's my big challenge for you is just to not be precious with it and just go. I love it. I'm just going to drive it all the time. I'll give you a random example. When we shot our 50 years of 911, we did. Now we we covered a car of all generations, like nine cars in that film. But before the first day of our shoot. We gathered kind of anybody that wanted to come from the local uh, Utah uh, Salt Lake Area 911 Club, and we ended up getting into 15 911s in one day. <laughs> I didn't and, know that. Wow. And one of them was a guy that showed up in a Carrera. I think it was an 87 or an 88 Carrera convertible. And it was the turbo look car. So it looks like the turbo wide body style, yeah, but isn't a turbo. Gorgeous car, black, convertible, et cetera. And I started talking to him, and I suddenly realized something shocking. Because this, when we shot that movie, it was the height of the ridiculous prices for air-cooled cars. So, you know, you could get money out of them. People were being precious about them, and people were speculating them. Yeah. This car had almost 250,000 miles on it. Wow. He had bought it, I don't know, like 10 or 15 years prior, and he drove it, I literally mean, everywhere. And before he joined us on that shoot, that shoot started at noon that day, he'd been in the river fishing, and he opened up the frunk and showed me all of his tackle for fly fishing that he knows <laughs> nice. how to pack it in the front. 
And he'd taken it camping and he'd taken it skiing. It was his all the time car. And he never, he, obviously, he put maintenance into it, yeah, but yeah. a quarter million miles, he drove it doing everything. And I, that was even a challenge for me because I'm a guy that I don't want to be precious with cars. And yet I was shocked by this guy's just demeanor toward his 911, which was, it's a car. I love it. Why would I drive anything else to do anything else? Yeah, yeah. I love it's, it so much. I'm just going to drive it for everything. That's my challenge to you, Tim. It actually reminds me of something I saw earlier this week, and that was uh, a guy, I forget where, it was a black 911 Turbo, okay. 9, 930 Turbo. Oh, wow. And he had okay. 720-something thousand oh. miles on the thing. He wow. drives it. It's maintained properly, and he Good takes for it him. everywhere. Amazing. Amazing. So, Tim, that's my big challenge is just make it your daily car because it's a Tuesday. And it's raining, and I'm taking the Miata. So that's my, my challenge. If if that is something that you're, you're going to push into a little bit but can't go all the way, I'm going to say this. Also keep the Accord. This may be the, This is why this is weird. This is the first car debate ever where I'm actually saying my recommendation is don't make a change other than how yeah, often yeah. you drive the cars. Don't buy anything different. I think this. I think the Accord put full winter tires on it. If you don't like, let's say, the body roll, one of the easy changes on that is you can put more aggressive sway bars on your Accord, and it'll flatten it out some, and it might make it a little bit more interesting. But put full winter tires on it. And so if you have a genuine winter day, that's the only time you drive the Accord. And every other day, anything you do, you drive the Miata. That way you've spent no new money other than just tires. Maybe the sway bars if you want. Then the money you're saving by not buying something new, I'm telling you, Tim, two, three years, Buy a new Miata. And I, and I just mean new to you. I don't even mean a brand new one. Yeah, They're yeah. out there. They're great. They're everywhere. That's my recommendation is don't be precious. Drive that car you love. Yeah, I would, I'd actually kind of like to add, having been driving my Mustang around a lot more. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Have, I have people think that I'm crazy for driving that car to campus, sure. to college campus. Sure. And I, go, I ask them why. It's like, are, what? Are you worried? Aren't you worried about getting door dings or the car getting stolen? I'm like, any car could have that happen to you. Sure. It sucks yeah. when it does. Absolutely. You know what? If you're that worried about driving a car and leaving it somewhere, maybe you shouldn't have that car. Well, there there is that question. And and Paul and I go back and forth on this a lot because, you know, we joke about Paul being CPO, certified Paul owned, and his cars are pristine. And one of the challenges for him, and, and he would he would fully admit this, which is why I'm saying it, one of the challenges for him is just coming to that realization of, you know, I'm just going to drive this thing. Yeah. I, I, I keep it pristine and gorgeous, which means if I drive it, it's going to get dirty and dinged, and this stuff's going to happen, but I'm going to go get the keys, I'm going to drive it. And some days, that's a genuine challenge for Paul. <laughs> and other days, he's just like, you know what, I need to drive, I'm going to go. So yeah. that, that is, that, depending upon who you are, and, and I will be honest, I love my Lotus. I loved the FRS. Door dings and, and like debris dings on the FRS coming out of winter, that bummed me out. But at the same time, yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, but I got to drive this every day, including through the winter. <laughs> right. And that's just cool. Right, right. Now, I'm not saying don't be careful. No, 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 don't, not at all. I mean, yeah, no. you have worries. There's you nothing wrong with that. You need to care for it. Absolutely. That, I mean, you need to love the car. Well, that was the thing about this quarter million mile 911 is you would never walk up to it and be like, this guy just trashes this thing. It was great. It was gorgeous. Inside and out, it was gorgeous. And yet then you heard the story and went, it's practically your off-road vehicle. How is this possible? (laughs) I I had to shake his hand. It was awesome. That is awesome. That is very cool. We have another car debate coming up for Connor in Atlanta, but we will be right back. There are 120,000 unsolved murder cases in America. It was the next day that I found out from my parents when it happened, that my sister was killed. Each one is called 
a cold case. Sometimes you have to look really closely to find the evidence. Damn, I, I killed her. Damn it, I killed her. Cold Case Files, the podcast. Garcia is walking into the home of a real monster. I was nervous. I realized what kind of person I was dealing with. It's a goosebump moment. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. All right, we're back with our second car debate, which has, I think, the best subject line I've seen in a while. It's yeah. it's just yeah. it's just this simple, guys, I need a date car. I need a date car. <laughs> and- his his reason is actually kind of interesting. So he, he it sounds like he just moved to Atlanta. He's single and he's twenty four. So and he's driving a two thousand three Honda Element and he loves the thing. Mm-hmm. It's got almost two hundred thousand miles on it. But he says when he goes out on dates, it's got squeaks and rattles and creaks, and it's, it's just got, not the nice car. It's the two hundred thousand mile car he loves, and he's accepted every single quirk. But the problem there is, you have to go. Oh no, I'm sorry, that door doesn't work. Oh no, 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 it's not that switch that works. You have to do this. And yeah, then you, yeah. You don't want to explain that on a date. You just don't, especially a first date. Since like this yes. guy has this car, what am I getting myself into? Absolutely. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. It's, now his biggest problem is his his budget's not very high. No, I would just say his budget is, frankly, a little bit too low for it. May be the smallest budget ever connected to. I'm going to buy a date car. That's true. So he's got. He says he's got about five thousand dollars to spend, and he was actually looking at old Miatas, mm-hmm. which you can get for that price of course, all yeah. day long. Yeah. But he adds that as much as I want to love them, I just don't like the way they look. Mm-hmm. Which is fair. They're not for sure. everybody. Absolutely. They're kind of yeah. plain yeah. Jane kind of style. Mm-hmm. But then he said he was looking, also looking at a 1976 MGB, which yes. just just drools with character and charm. It does. It does. But at the same time, as much as you'd like that, most of the girls you're going to go out on date on will not like it at all. They won't that appreciate is, that. The is old a challenge. Car. I yeah. agree. I agree yeah. because there's going to be that demeanor of why are you bu- why are you picking me up in this ancient car? Yeah, this old jalopy here. Yeah, yeah. there is that possibility. You're right. Yeah, that's that's not to say that there won't be that special girl that just falls in love with it. For sure, for but sure. But that is something that you'll have to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. That with an older car, some girls will love it, some girls won't want to get in it. True, true. And so, uh, to start off, the, the car that I, I found, it's kind of leaning towards that, that Datsun, I, or not Datsun, that's the car I picked. Oh, okay, excellent. So, Going with the MGB idea, I found a 1968 Datsun Fairlady Roadster, Ooh. much much like the one we drove a couple yeah. years back. Yeah, yeah. For it, it's seven grand, so it's a little bit higher up. Sure, but the car looks immaculate. It's red. It's manual. It's cool. It's a great. It would be a great little car for your, your yeah, run yeah. around, cruise around on the weekends. Well, that's the other key thing that we should include here is the fact that he really wants a convertible. So yes. Even though this is yes. a date car, he personally just wants something that is small, fun to drive, and convertible. So that that makes this five thousand dollar thing even harder, especially if you don't go Miata. Yeah. So that Datsun Roadster is a great idea. Yeah, so I, I've got a couple other options here, but uh, I'm curious to see where where you ended up going. Well, 
the, the, here's how these, and I didn't, I didn't think this when I put this together tonight, but I realized I walked away from both of these with more advice than car recommendations. Okay. So I have some advice for Connor, but I also have a sniper shot. Okay. So which should, is, should I continue then? I, I want you to go through all of yours, and then I want to talk to Connor about this problem for a minute. I want to give him an answer that I actually think gets this done. Sure, sure. But I think there's some discussion about the problem that needs to happen first. But yes, keep going with yours. I, lo- I love the Dotson Fairlady, by the way. Yeah. So I, one of the, the things that he says was he doesn't really want a fast car. It's a bonus. That's not necessary. It's yeah. a bonus, but it's not, not mm-hmm. necessary. So I kind of went with the more cruiser convertible type idea. Okay. Okay. And so I got a couple. Of, I don't know if we've ever recommended some of these cars before. Good. So, so Excellent. We'll, we'll see where this Branch goes. Branch us out. I like it. But uh, I found a bunch. Well, not a bunch. That you can find these. The Lexus SC430, the hardtop convertible. Yeah, but they're yuck. They're not attractive. Oh, I just... They are a $6,000 convertible. Yeah, but so there is that option. Oh, I mean, not, not the one I would pick. You're, but you're, you're right. It, it does technically check boxes, but I, I yes. cannot recommend that I, to anyone. I wouldn't either, but it's a cruiser mobile. It'd yeah, be nice. I see. I see you roll how, up in a Lexus on a date. I, I do see there, how you check checks, boxes. It checks boxes. I do see that. Maybe for not sure. the right ones, but it Fair. does check some of Fair. the boxes. Fair. Okay. All right. Uh, and then I went with the, uh, the MR2 Spider, mm-hmm. MRS Spider. For sure. You can find those for sure. all day long yes. for under 5000 Yes. They're a great little car. They're fun. Mm-hmm. They are the fantastic Miata alternative They're, in this in this space, for sure. I think I like the looks of the Miata better. I'm not really an MRS fan. Yeah. But So there is there is that. Um, I was also looking at you can get first-gen Audi TT Roadsters hmm. all day long, all-wheel drive. It's an yeah. Audi. They yeah. look good. Girls love them. Some of those first-gen TTs were money pits. Be careful. But yes. yes. But you can find oodles of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was this one over here? Oh, uh, I found two or three. These are a little harder to find, but Pontiac Solstice. Mm, I found a couple of those. That's cheap, really. Wow. That's, six. Okay. And I, I think my – I wasn't going to call it a sniper shot, but this is my top pick. Okay. And that's the uh, the BMW Z3. Dun, dun, dun. That is my sniper shot. Oh, there you go. Yes, that is my sniper shot. And <laughs> so, I want to come back to that for sure. So Keep yeah, going. We, we, that's where I, I landed was the okay. M3. That's, right. that's just, or well, C3, sorry. Yeah, it's, that's an amazing little car that, that is really cheap and good for this money. Here, here's, my, here's my comment to you first, Connor. Um, hmm. This is a minefield, my friend. Yes. Because yes. Here's, here's the thing. That Honda element, you just say you're going to drive it till the wheels fall off. There is that thing where... Whatever you pick a girl up in the first time, whoever you pick anybody up for a date for the first time, you've made an impression with your car. Yeah, that's true. And you don't really know what impression you've made because depending upon how they're wired, your first date we're talking, depending upon how they're wired, you could have turned them on or turned them off for reasons you can't even possibly get ahead of. Right. You know? I mean uh, – I want to talk, I want to come back to the BMW Z3 in a minute, but there will be people that the minute you pull up in a BMW Z3 convertible, they will put a stigma on you, pro or con, instantly. Yeah, it's true. This is the bigger problem. And also, you're asking us to recommend to you a car for $5,000 that's going to impress somebody. What's impressive about that is you have a nice working car for $5,000. <laughs> that's, that's the impressive part, okay? Yeah, so, uh, so some of these will have badge perception, so there will for be sure. there will be that bonus pro or con. But honestly, 
But they're like you said, the Audi's a maintenance hog. Some of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the Z3s. They're, the old, they're driven cars. You know, the so old BMWs with happen, high miles are going to take more. Yeah, for sure. And when things sure. do happen, they're going to be more pricey than your Honda's going to be. And depending upon who you pick up, they may see a BMW or an Audi on the drive and instantly think you're better or instantly think you're worse. Yeah. So the big thing for me is I'm I'm very much shopping for you, and thinking, okay, what's a good convertible non Miata? That gives an impression that I had no idea this car was five grand. That those were my actual parameters, and yeah. that's why I landed at the BMW Z3, because for, with five thousand dollars, you have options of these cars. Oh yeah. Now awesome. in some cases, you wind up with a really tiny one point nine liter four cylinder. You can find, I think it's a two eight uh, six. You can find some of those, which is obviously the better engine would be nicer. But uh, you know, it is amazing how many of these are out there for that price. And I stand here astonished. Actually, technically, I'm sitting. But I stand here astonished that those cars, they are that cheap. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was surprised at how many of them there, were, that, there were, were there on were, that price. There were pages when yeah. I looked. There were yeah. pages I was scrolling through. I think I saw 11 pages. I was looking for options, going, well, which ones do I like? And then, of course, I had the terrible thing that happens to me because I have the disease of, do I need one? Do I need a Z3? <laughs> What? I could drive a Z3 of the winter. I mean, crazy things went through my brain. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I was like, oh, winter beater, Z3 convertible. That's yeah. that's insane, Todd. What are, you, what are you doing? Conversely, that got me curious. I looked up the Z3 clown shoe, the hard top coupe. Okay, yeah. Can't touch them for under 20. That doesn't surprise me at all. And the nice ones with the big engine are going for like 30. And yet here the convertibles are a tenth of that. I was finding convertibles for three grand, yeah, <laughs> which is insane. So honestly, Connor, I think, and, and chance is there, and I'm there too. I think that's the sniper shot because I don't think there's any chance anybody will think it's a five thousand dollar car. I will caution you; it will probably need stuff, yeah, and it will be more expensive than your Honda Element will ever be to maintain. But that doesn't look like a five thousand dollar car, no. And I think it makes a great date impression. Unless the person that you're taking out has some extra stigma, pro or con, just because it's a BMW. Yeah. What you, what you want is to make no impression, negative or positive, with your car. You want it just to be the transportation that got us to a wonderful evening. That's all you want it to yeah, be on first yeah. date. To the point – in fact, this is crazy. To the point, when Paul had his first Cayman, he also had his Audi wagon. Oh, okay. When yeah. he would go out on first dates, he would always take the wagon. Makes sense. Because he was just like, I, I, I just, Audi wagon is fine. It's nice. And of course, it was certified Paul on us. So it was gorgeous. Right. But it was just nice wagon. It kind of said nothing. It was a silver wagon. So unless you were a car person, you didn't even think about it. Yeah. But it was a nice, nice place to be. Perfect first date car. Yeah. He had a Cayman. And, you know, sometimes later, later dates, the Cayman came out, whatever impression that made. But that was something that he did very strategically. He was just like, you know what? I'm not going to pull up Porsche guy on first date. He just didn't want to do that. Yeah, and then that labels you. Cause he, and he didn't know what impression that would leave depending upon who was answering the yeah, door. Yeah. So this is the caution I have for you, Connor. But I love that we both wound up at Z3 Convertible because clearly I'm kind of going this – is, this is for me the convertible equi- equivalent of the Fiesta ST. It's like why don't we all just have one? Do yeah, I need a I BMW Z3 yeah. convertible? Uh, maybe I do. Z3, Z4, take a pick. So cheap, though. Yeah. Crazy cheap. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so hopefully we've been helpful to both of you. I've been kind of off the map tonight in you recommendations. Have. You've been all over the place. In recommendations that are not I, really about cars. I was thinking this on the way over that I, I think I'd fill in better for you than I do for Paul because you and I are a lot more similar than this is true. Paul. This is true. 
And, this, and yet today you just flew all that out I'm, the window. And, and well, but what's nice is you say that. I kind of knew that you and I would probably wind up in, different, different, uh, in similar places. However, I didn't expect you were going to find that Z3. So bravo to you on oh. that. Because the other ones you brought up, I, I, except the Datsun was a good one too. The other ones you brought up was kind of like, yeah, I can see why you went on there. But the Z3 was a find. Yeah. So yeah. very good. We have many, many questions that you've sent in to uh, us and or just Chance. So I want to jump into a lot of those. Uh, right up front, I want to answer Matt Wong's question from Facebook. Uh, I have some details, but not a lot of details. Matt asked, updates on possible U.S.-based track day adventures. Yeah, yeah. Yes, there are some updates. I want to talk through a little bit right now where Paul and I are on this. Again, we're about two weeks out from going uh, to Germany uh, for the Ring and Spa. Of course, the Spa's in Belgium, but going to Europe for those two tracks. We're going to, at the beginning of September. We just dropped a piece today on the M235i from the Ring from actually last year. Yeah. So uh, we're going. We're very excited. But that's got us talking about later this fall doing U.S. track day stuff. Here's where we are on that. In order to do this, we're going to do just like we did Chicago last year. We're going to partner with a group that already is doing a track day. And our initial idea has been to set it up like a U.S. version of this overseas trip where it's, you know, you pay a fee and it's all inclusive and you come and all that kind of thing. But there's a problem with that. As we talk it through, this is what we've come to. A lot of times, I'll give you an example. We're working on one very, like, seriously right now, working on one for Laguna Seca in November. Okay. We're down the road with a conversation with a, with a company that's doing a track day. We want to do Laguna Seca and then a drive on whatever is open of PCH because a lot of it's you know landslide and not yeah. open, but yeah. do that drive. But the thing is, if you're going to come to that, you have to bring your own car. Right. And a lot of the people that are going to come have already told us they want to come, and they live in the San Francisco area. So they're not going to need a hotel because they're probably just going to drive in for the day. Right. So what? how these U.S. trips will probably work is they will be – we will partner with a track group. We will tell you, come, and you will sign up for the track day by yourself and kind of plan your trip around that event. We will tell you what we're doing, in this case, the track day, probably a nice dinner that night that we'll all go to, yeah. and then the PCH drive in the morning. You stay where you want, which may be your own house. You bring your own car. There's really no way for us to build one trip fits all like right. we can for Europe. Right. So what these will probably be going forward is we will kind of put a stake in the ground for a track day with a track group. And they will be expecting those of you in the audience that want to come to be signing up and say, hey, I'm with everyday driver. And then we'll see you there. We'll plan a nice meal that we'll all do together. We'll do a fun event. But it won't be like we're all staying here and we're all doing this. It'll be much more a la carte because yeah. there's no way for us to get ahead of it. So, again, Laguna, middle of November. I'm going to get you dates soon. We have pushed off what was going to be a Road America tra a track day in October because essentially it's full. So we've pushed that off. But we are <clears> – I'm almost not sure I'm supposed to say this. <laughs> All right. We are, we, are, we are talking. Paul and I are talking about maybe trying to figure out CODA. Okay. Circuit of the Americas in Austin yeah, yeah. in the spring. Very preliminary. But we have a lead on that. So we'd like to do that. But again, all of these will be because you got to bring your own car. Unlike RSR in Germany, you got to bring your own car. You may live two blocks away or you may have driven in cross country. I simply don't know. There's yeah. no way for us to get ahead of it. So this is our plan. We may, we may, if we do things like Coda, we may figure out a block of room so you can get a little bit of a discount. But uh, we're not going to set up full trips. That was like 10 minutes. I meant it to be like two. <laughs> anyway, hopefully that helps, Matt. And anyone yeah, else is curious. That's what's going on. There's not a lot of. of quote-unquote destination tracks in the U.S. Well, like there are in Europe. 
So well, there, but, there's not these RSR type companies here. That's there, the harder there part. There are, but there's not. That's the harder yeah. part. It's it's less because here's the thing. If I knew you could fly into the West Coast, you could fly into the Monterey area, Carmel, San Francisco, and we could have cars available to you that you could drive on the street and you could drive on the track, I would start building. We we would work much harder on building an all in one, all inclusive trip. Oh yeah. But you're gonna have to bring your own car. And you, and like I say, you may live down the block from the track already. Right. So I can't build that trip for you. So that's why we're doing it this way. Yeah, yeah. So um, Tyler Hill asked about what my, my camera gear was mm-hmm. for shooting. So we were talking about that earlier. Um, I use a Canon 6D, and my primary lens for like beauty shots has been a 28 to 70 millimeter 2.8. So it's, mm. an, it's an older mm-hmm. version. It's two or three generations old now. It's not serviceable anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> That's how old it is. But it's a solid lens. And I've got a 50 millimeter 1.2. Oof. And then I, when I go to the track, I typically use the show's uh, 100 to 400. Our millimeter. big boy. We've got yeah. one of those big white Canon sports lenses that is a, it's a massive lens. And Chance has gotten really good with it. But it's also got huge reach. So you can stand on the side of a track and you can reach way over there and get something right. cool, which is great. Right. And there's, there's a lens I want by uh, Sigma. And mm-hmm. it's a 150 to 600 millimeter lens. Ooh. It's meant just for racing and, and the oh, like. So it, okay. it's, it's perfect for what I want to use. That's I cool. Just don't have the money for it. Yeah. Well, it's all, yeah. That this is the problem. I mean, lenses make all the difference, and lenses are wickedly expensive. Oh yeah. 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 And it's better to upgrade your lenses than it is your camera body. Without question. No. I mean, yeah. we we do that like crazy on the show. Art. <laughs> None of the camera bodies we use are impressive. We almost treat them disposably, but the lenses are gold. So that's yeah, yeah. The, the, absolutely the way we treat it. Yeah, for sure. uh, Matt asked a question that I know you, you have a great answer for as well, Chance. Uh, Matt Levesque said, okay, what's our racing video game setup like? What do we like game-wise and what do we wish it was? Now, I'm going to answer first because my answer is not as cool as yours. I, <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, no, that, this is true. Um, I've, I've played a lot of racing games. I've played uh, Gran Turismo. I, of course, I have a PS. I have a uh, PlayStation, so I don't play Forza because obviously that's locked into Xbox. Right. So I play the PlayStation games, but I, I like Gran Turismo. I'm looking for another one. I wish they would come out more than every five years. Uh, yeah, Gran that's Turismo. No problem. Cause, uh, Project Cars is good. A set of Corsa I really like. Um, what else have I played? Pretty much any other one you can imagine on PlayStation. Oh, I've done. Uh, the what's the car club one that they've got in VR now? I'm driving that only because it's VR. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember what that was I can't called. think of the name of it right now. Uh, clearly, it made a big impression. But I'm driving only because <laughs> it's VR, and my son actually likes it because it's VR too. He he does this funny thing when you play VR on this game, where if he's not in the glasses, he will sit in what would be the passenger seat and yell at you. Oh yeah, he does that now, which is which is quite interesting. <laughs> funny. So that happens. Um, so I play all of those. I have a uh, fold down and put away. Uh, setup for my wheel so the wheel and the pedals are attached to this thing this this rig i can pull out and kind of unfold and now it's pedals and wheels on a stand and you can sit in a gaming chair on the floor and it works perfectly right because just the way my life is arranged i can't and also for my wife's sanity i can't leave that stuff just sitting in our main room yeah so we just don't have the room and the ability to so we pull it out set it up drive for a few hours put it back what i would like to answer your question is i would like a dedicated Dual, meaning side by side, two systems. If I could, if I could make my perfect system, it would be two racing chairs, permanent racing chairs, side by side, into two matching systems. The systems are wired to each other, yeah, yeah. and each wearer has VR goggles, so you can race each other. You're in VR, and you're side by side. That would be my perfect version. 
at some point, I'm sure my son will be old enough and my money will be good enough and the games will be good enough yeah. that uh, we'll build that in probably what is currently my son's playroom and my wife will have to unplug, probably like kill the fuse to get us <laughs> out of there. And my son will probably kill me in those games all the time. So hopefully Matt will head that way. But right now I have this little fold down, fold up thing. Yeah, I've actually got a similar setup. Um, it was last year, uh, just before Christmas time, we all got, gathered at Todd's house and Todd, Paul, myself, our wives, we all played uh, a bunch of your VR games. Yes. And we played, uh, I think it was a subtle course on your wheel. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. And uh, I, I didn't have a wheel at the time. I was mm-hmm. like, I need one of these now. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> your wife kept looking at me like, thanks, Todd. Yeah, Appreciate pretty, it. That's pretty great. much. Uh, well, she loves it too, though. Actually, I know. I know. That's the thing. But she realized this is where, that was where you were going, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So for Christmas, my wife got me a set of Corsa, mm-hmm. and uh, then together we got a dedicated racing wheel and chair set up. It's not doesn't fold away. You can take it all apart, but, yeah, but it doesn't fold but away. But you have the seat that sits in the room, and you can jump in any time, and I yeah, love so I, that. I yeah. move it out of the way. It's kind of big and clunky, and yeah. it is kind of annoying to have to do that, but... But when, it's I, awesome. when I want to use it, it works great. It's it's like a real car seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with bolsters and everything. Totally. It, it's pretty awesome. But I have I've had all the Forza games. I've had uh, Gran Turismo through the fourth one. And that's when I switched to Forza because mm-hmm. you know, like you said, Gran Turismo kind of disappears for a while. Yeah, every five back. years they show up, and then they blow a deadline. There's like little nothing's gonna come out in five years. Seven years later, yeah, it shows up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I've I've been leaning towards I, I like Assetto Corsa. It's a mm-hmm. great simulator, but I I, I like uh, Project Cars a little better. I'm, I'm not sure why. I like the, Project, the career mode a lot better. Project for sure. Cars is much deeper as a game and as a interface. But I think Assetto Corsa. I'm I'm way in the weeds here. But I think Assetto Corsa has better physics. Okay. And I, think, and I think I could be wrong, but I get the impression anytime I this I'm about to say a sentence that I cannot believe is going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> When I return from Germany having driven the ring, when I drive the ring in Project Cars and I drive it in a set of Corsa, I think it's more correct than a set of Corsa. Okay, yeah, I can see that. This is me really cutting this down finally here. But uh, so I, I prefer the driving itself in a set of Corsa, but I think everything else, you can clearly tell that a set of Corsa is a very small studio and Project Cars is a studio with some money behind it yeah. because the games, the interface, and the depth of them works that way. Yeah, and both of them, I mean... I- can you compare them? I don't know which one is really better. That's a good question. They're, they're yeah. both developed. They both use professional race car drivers and test drivers yep. to help set it up. And so take your pick, whichever one you like better, really. Yes. And the next round, both Project Cars 2 and the new Gran Turismo, and I think there's another one, but those two and for Forza sure, I've 7. heard of both of them, are coming out fully VR capable, and I am very excited. Yeah, so am I. That'll, that'll be, be cool to... Drive Club is the current VR Drive one that I have. Club. Okay, there is. yeah. yeah there sorry, is. I, eventually it's coming to my brain. So there is the very long uh, answer, Matt, to that racing question. Yeah, so a different Matt asked more towards me. He's He's got a, either has or is looking at buying a 1961 Ford Falcon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was asking if it's worthwhile to put the drivetrain from an SN95 Cobra Mustang, so that's... 94 to two, 94 to 98. Is that the Mustang. one with the independent rear? No. Okay. No. Right. Well, depends. So the SN95 really goes from 94 to 2004. Mm-hmm. The latter generation is the, the facelifted cars that they call them new edge cars. Okay. They're, they're okay. 
the same but different. Okay. Those are the independent rear, rear suspension cars. Because I knew a lot of people chase those. I, I will admit I love having chance around when Mustang questions come up because I know just enough to get myself in trouble. <laughs> That's really my Mustang. It, it, I'm, my Mustang love is not that deep, and so my information is not that dense. And so I can tell you some things, but if people get into the weeds on codes and things, I have to call Chance and go, please direct me. Yeah, yeah. So they get confusing too. It's, it's just well, like the BMWs yeah. and any car once you start getting into the codes. For sure. Like, yeah. Are we really doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sadly <laughs> we are. We're yes. uber nerds at this point. We are absolutely. Yeah, but he, he's asking: Is it is it worthwhile? Is it an unrealistic dream? Should he chase it? How do you budget for something like that? And the answer is yes. It's very much worthwhile if okay. you have if you have the wrenching skills. Mm. So that's that's where it can really get you for With sure. That car sure. and that motor, you're going to have to do a lot of fabrication and things to make it work. But if you do, then you have modern horsepower. You have mm-hmm. have fuel injection, better miles, MPGs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it'll be more reliable. So there, there are trade offs. You'll get the purists that'll think you're nuts mm-hmm. because it doesn't have the old 260 or 289 or whatever is yeah. in it. Yeah. But also, I would say be prepared and patient because it's going to take a lot longer than you expect it to <laughs> project car. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, as for that. budgeting for it, I, the easiest thing t- for me anyways, is I pick what I want next and I start saving for that. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> if something that I also have on my list of things that I want comes up and there's a deal that maybe I found it used somewhere, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll deviate and go get it. But I would also say, don't get something just because it's cheap. Because if it's not what you're actually wanting, you oh, end sure. up buying it, and then you're more than likely going to hate it. You won't think you will, but you will. You're talking about spending the money on the right version of the right part. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then if you don't like it, then you're just going to get the thing you wanted in the first place, and you've spent <laughs> twice the money. You bought the so, thing twice and only one time for real. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's one of the issues to watch out for. Is and it's easy to do. You see something, like, oh, that's a lot like this. I can mm-hmm. I can make that work. Mm-hmm. No, don't just just walk away. Just just, just turn around and <laughs> Save walk away. Yourself the trouble. <laughs> I like that. That's excellent. So, that's excellent. But that that leads me into um, Christoph MM on Instagram. He was asking me about modernizing my Mustang. Yeah, yeah. Which I've kind of been doing. Uh, yes, I've, you have. For I've sure. got for I've sure. got a modern motor in it. I've got a five O from a Fox body. Mm-hmm. It's fuel injected. I've got a five speed transmission. I've got. Currently, it has modern, more modern brakes from a 19- You can't see the massive air quotes that are happening from, right now. Yeah. From a 1977 Ford ooh, Granada. Ooh, the latest so that, and greatest of 1977. Of right Perfect. But sitting in my garage, I have front brakes off of a 2007 Mustang GT. Okay, good. And I have rear brakes off of a 95 Mustang GT. Interesting. So they're all, just Legos, aren't they? Just about. You're just yeah. You're you all over the map. After kits and of course, right on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but yeah, modernizing Mustangs. A lot of people are doing it. I'm kind of doing it. You are for sure. So, and I still want to do. And 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 Ty, I know is listening. He's locally got a access to a pretty close to stock restored '67 or '68. '68, yeah. I want to put that car with your same era, but not stock, much more resto mod, and and discuss those. That'd be really cool. We are actually, I haven't committed to it yet, but we're talking about autocrossing both cars this weekend. Really? So that that might be happening. That's fascinating. I want to hear about that for sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jake DeWald wrote in on IG, and he said, you're right, Jake, about this, this question. Uh, we're probably the wrong people to ask, <laughs> but uh, would we recommend spending 5000 over your budget 
to get the hot version of the car you want or to stay not add that 5000 and get the lower version of the same car. You're right, Jake. This is a landmine because we're going to say, of course, spend more money, especially if Paul were here. But I yeah. will say this to you. Honest, honestly, here's my genuine answer. If the difference we're talking about is really like five grand, yes, go yeah, up. Do it. Yeah. If it's, it's 10, that much 15, deal. no. Yeah. But if it's really five, if, if we're really talking about it, you're that close to getting the right one. I'll give you an example. If you said to me you were buying a used Porsche Cayman and you could find a used Porsche Cayman base for 18. Yep. And you could find a Cayman S for 22. Get the S. Yeah, get the S. Just go get the S. You'll be happier. So that's the thing. I think, the, is there a tipping point? There is. I mean, the, the reason I have, let's be honest, the reason I bought an Elise and not an Evora or a 1M is because those were 10 to 15 grand above my budget. Yeah. That's why I did not buy one. There is a limit to this, and you have to figure out your own pain tolerance. But at five grand, especially if you're financing this thing for five, six, seven years, that five grand amortized out. I mean, granted, I'm giving financial advice now, which is really, really bad. But, but honestly, five grand makes such a little change in your monthly payment yeah. if you're actually doing monthly payments yeah. that I think it's worth it. I agree. So there's that. Um, but if it's something like a, a Mustang GT brand new versus a GT350 brand new, you got a $20,000 difference. True. Then, yeah, just, then just yes. save your money. Then you, yeah, absolutely yeah. true. I agree with that. Uh, Julian wrote in and said, um, baby seat in an M2, what do we think? Uh, Julian, for, yeah, exactly. That's the short answer. First question, Julian, is how big are you your, and your wife? Are, are you large people like Paul and I, or are you going to have to have the seats all the way back is the big question. Because I would say this, booster seat or front-facing child seat all day long, rear-facing trash can baby seat could be problematic. True. It would probably fit if you don't have to have the back seat all the way back, if your wife is small enough and, 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 that, and that works out. Great. I don't think you have a problem. The problem is going to be getting the child in the rear-facing seat. Will it work? I think so. But the rear-facing is going to be much harder than the front-facing. Front-facing or booster seat, yes, absolutely. Get yourself a 1M and enjoy it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, if you could, if you can make this car seat fit, then why not? Yeah, it, the, the struggle is those rear-facing ones can be really hard to get kids in and yeah. out of. I mean, there's there's the rear-facing when they literally, you carry them in in the carrier and you plug it into the base. That's the greatest thing ever. I'm sure, yeah. You need one arm and an opening and you're done. But once the rear-facing is locked in and you got to like reach around it because, of course, it's a two, two-door car, that can be hard. Right. So that's going to be the hard part. But again, once they go front-facing, you're, you're great. Yeah. Uh, Damien C. asks uh, he, if he can drive a Porsche Cayman S through Canadian weather year-round. <laughs> I, I already I already linked him to this, but I actually covered that in an article you this did. past winter. You did, yeah. About uh, mostly my wife driving it, but we've got a 2008 Porsche Boxster that mm-hmm. gets daily driven through Utah winters, Absolutely. which aren't really that much different than Canadian winters. As, That's true. As much as Utah, YouTube would like us like to disagree with us. <laughs> yeah. But. You know, we just, the, the FRS piece, we just weren't in enough of a blizzard. This is the problem. And the entire country of Canada is mad at us still, but it's okay. But yeah, with proper tires on that car, absolutely you can. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely I agree. you can. Um, is there any other questions that stuck? Uh, well, yes. I mean, there's four, four or five more that I would cover, but I'm going to cover only a couple more. Um, there was a question about, in fact, I don't have it in front of me, but there was a question on Instagram, I think it was, about uh, buying a EcoBoost Mustang. Oh, I missed that one. And uh, EcoBoost Mustang would, as an enthusiast, would you like having it 300 horsepower, 30 grand? Is it cool? Would we like it? Yes, but I will say this to you, and I really I like the EcoBoost. 
I really like the current gen Mustang, but my recommendation to you is if you're considering the EcoBoost, could you get a one year used GT? Yeah. Because that V8, while heavier, and yes, it consumes a little more, not as much as you think more, but it does consume yep. more gas. The The thing about the GT is it gains more personality when you add that V8 back in. Yeah. And the current gen Mustang is really fantastic to drive in every form. Yeah, it is. I think you gain that extra bit. I mean, it's becoming very sports car in chassis feel, which is awesome. But if you can gain that V8 muscle car attitude back, that's just a win. Yeah. So I would almost say if you can get a brand new EcoBoost versus a one-year-old GT, go GT. I think you'd be happier. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I've driven – I haven't driven a stock EcoBoost Mustang. I've driven a tuned one that had sure. – it was like 290-something to the wheels and okay. 400 pound-feet of torque, which oof, was – Oof, Which was – it was fast car. I'll for give, sure. Give it that. For sure. It's a lot of torque, yeah. But for me personally – now, this is the, the Mustang purist, You I are guess. the Mustang guy for sure, yeah. Hearing the the four cylinder and the turbo, it sounds good. I'll I will admit I like independent I like the way of a it Mustang. Sounds, yeah, <laughs> but you see what it's coming out of. You're like, wait, did I see that right? What was interesting? It? That was yeah. a Mustang that made that sound. I see okay. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you hear the big GT and the V8 and just the the booming exhaust and thunderous it, noise, it, it adds it, a layer to that it, car. It's for more sure. of what you expect. Yeah, I, I I agree. I totally agree. And even even uh talking about Tong. He's had an EcoBoost recently, and he, he drove did. the GT yes. not long ago either and loves yes. the GT. For sure. And when he had the GT, he and I were talking that when Ford announced doing the EcoBoost Mustang, that was originally for Europe only. It was. They weren't yeah. going to bring it here. And he told me that no one's buying those in Europe. Yeah. No one is because they all want the true American car. Germany specifically is, is buying the V8s as fast as they, can sell, as they can make them, which is pretty crazy. I have one more question in case you've got any others. Uh, no, that's, go for it. Okay. Uh, Will wrote in on Twitter, two-part question. Okay. I'm going to answer the second part f- first because it's easier, I think. But the first qu- part is, if we were to buy one car to keep and use forever, what would it be? That's a hard one. That I have is, a couple answers, a but it's a hard one. The second part of the question is, what would we suggest is a budget Huracan? Budget Huracan? And here's my answer on that. First Gen R8. Yeah, yeah. First yeah. Gen V8 R8. They're under 100 grand now. They're running like 60 to 80. Yeah, all wheel drive. Say, but you can get a Gallardo. Yes, but the Gallardos are still going to be, they're still going to be the better part of a hundred grand. Yeah, but and not not they're, really. They're they're not going to be hundred hundred and ten for the V ten. Okay, the early I, ones. I mean, yes, I suppose you could do that. I'm just I'm much more worried, I guess, about the old Gallardo than I am about the old R eight. Maybe I'm being insane to say that. The, the big difference between well, with the Huracan, the big difference between the R eight is you can get it with a manual. You can get both the Gallardo and the Hur- the R8 in manuals, hmm. and that would be what I would do. Cause, true, true, true. I mean, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gated shifters. The gated and- shifter on the on the original V8 uh, R8 that remains on my personal shortlist. That's a great, great car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the forever car is hard. That is a tricky one. Um, I'm gonna. There's two answers here. The first one I'm gonna answer with the car I think I really would go with. The second one is the one that I think maybe makes more sense. Okay. But. Um, the one I would really go with is I would buy an Evora 400 and just drive it until it fell apart, which, who knows, might be quickly. But, but, but drive it. <laughs> the way I, you drive I it. Loved, I loved the 400. And it, and it really the, – the issues that did exist with the Evora I think are solved there. It is a much more refined car. Yeah, yeah. It is technically 2 plus 2. 
It's got, I mean, compared to the Elise, it's got a cavernous trunk. But, but, but no, it's, it's a genuinely usable car. Yep. And I could see myself using it all the time. I mean, the Elise I love, but the Elise certainly is compromised in certain situations, which is one <laughs> of the things that makes it great. The Evora is far less so. so I, I would say the Evora 400. However, <coughs> however the, the car that I think might even make more sense if we're buying a car, kind of a money, no object, buying a car and keeping it forever, it needs to do everything. I live in Utah. I need to maybe road trip. I want to go to the track. I need to pick up groceries. 991-911 Turbo. Okay. Yeah. All-wheel drive, yeah. crazy fast. It can track. It can GT. It can run for groceries. I think that might be the answer. That uh, That's hard to argue with, to be yeah. honest. And I'm not even no, the Porsche guy, and yet I just kind of see the it, – it, this is, I'm going to say something that Paul would smack me for, so I'm going to say it now because you're here. The 911 <laughs> is almost the SUV of sports cars. It does it everything. It kind of is. It does everything. It, it, I agree with that. Yeah, you can throw things in it. You can take it to mm-hmm. across the country. And in the, the track, nine, go in the 991 form, and I, I don't like it as much as the 997 because for me it's gotten too big for a sports car, but it has gained usable back seats. Yeah. So that's starting to be – yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess my my follow up question is: Is this supposed to be one car forever? That's the only car you have, or is this your your toy? Un- or? Unknown, okay. unknown. But of course, so, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sacrifice and try to get something fun. Okay, so I guess if it's my one car to have, I would do the the Audi RS7. It's got got four doors. It's it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. technically a hatchback, plenty of power. It's not the most dynamically sure, sure, exciting yeah. car. But it's got power and it can do it all. Yeah, I see that. I see that. But if it was my my one car forever, that's just a toy, then I'd probably go like a GT three fifty R. Yeah, I mean, I'm not it, surprised. It's me. It's the Mustang guy has come back. Excellent. That's very good. I've that's wanted good. one for a long time. They're I'm, awesome. I'm yeah. hoping. Knock on wood. I, I will be shocked if it happens. I'm hoping that in the next three or four years, prices will come down enough that by the time I graduate. That can be what I end up getting. Yeah, I can see that. I can see we'll, that. We'll, we'll see. That would that be happens, a fantastic but... car for you. We'll see what really happens with those prices. Thankfully, yeah, that's, that's the, the thing. massive dealer markup is mostly over now. Yeah, mostly. So that means they'll start to if, come down in the realm of used prices. If they do what the GT 500s are doing, they'll the, the three year old cars are cheap thirty five forty. Yeah, so that's it's crazy. That's it's crazy reachable. Well, guys, thank you for listening. Chance, thank you for being here, man. Thanks oh, for course. filling in for Paul. Uh, great podcast tonight with uh, with hearing about Pirelli World Challenge. I really appreciate that. And thank you guys for asking Chance questions and asking us questions in general. Thank you for your car debates, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail or through the website, everydaydriver.com. You can do the contact form there. We do read all of them, even if we don't share all of them here on the podcast. Uh, if you have not rated the podcast, we would appreciate that. Oh, and a quick, uh, quick tease. We have just heard from the podcast one, folks, twice a year they do a survey. It is an audience survey okay. that if you guys fill it out, it allows them to better pair advertising with you guys. Yeah, so you you're not hearing ads that are just like, why is this ad playing? Yeah. We obviously are new to Podcast One. They do this survey twice a year. When that launches in a year or so, I mean, a year or so, in a week or so, we will tell you more about it because we would love to have you guys fill it out so that the podcast relates even further to you and yeah, not yeah. somebody random. So we'll tell you about that. That is coming. Uh, again, podcasts continue twice a week. Videos are coming as fast as we can make them. 
wow, there's a lot going on as we prep for season two. Yes. Uh, I've been looking at my calendar lately, and every weekend is booked like throughout the rest of the year almost. Yep. We we are headed into, for us shooting-wise, probably the busiest two months of the year. Uh, so, yeah, nothing to do. But we're headed to Lemons, <laughs> first off, and yep. uh, many other things to follow. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll hear you next time. See ya. Let me tell you about Pete, who loved hockey and always wanted to play in the NHL. Pete played since he was three and begged his mom to let him stay on the ice. Why, some nights he even slept in his hockey skates. Pete practiced and practiced until one day, when he was 47, Pete realized he just wasn't that good. So he threw his skates in the trash. But then he heard how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch. So it all worked out. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.